on this episode of A Tale of Two Rival. It's the Tale of Two Rivals Award Show, Part 1 with the Banterman. This is the good stuff. Stay tuned. Fantasy Football Podcast, put on by your three-peat, fourth straight title appearance, former champion, and uh, numbers-obsessed, bounced in the second round of the playoffs, nerd, was to find some round? sort of... It was the first round. First round. Sorry, I tried to give you more credit than you deserved. Um, man, we're trying to find a consensus share with you, the Fantasy Football listener. Hi, Dave. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty nice. So much for the four-peat champion BS that we've had to suffer through all season. Never three-peat, happening again. Three-peat is still impressive, and fourth yeah, straight title. Jack and appearance. Kobe did it. It's not that impressive. Yeah, I just would like to say that Levi Valentine totally like fixed our C2C week, so I lost in both the college and pro championships. I know there's a stat correction. All right? Oh, and stay tuned for my uh, C2C content. Just drop it any day now. Funny, Todd, you mentioned uh, Tales of Rivals. I believe you should have also mentioned in your intro how I destroyed you in our IDP matchup. I beat you again in the playoffs. I made it to the finals or the play. No, I made it. I finished third place in our longtime redraft league. You did not make the playoffs. However, I, yes, you did make, you know, you did make it farther in our, in our listener league. However, sir. I, I feel pretty confident that overall for this fantasy season, I, I did better than you in the, in the leagues we're in. All right. So in the long-standing home week, I came out 0-5 and, and just missed playoffs. So I grinded, and I almost got in. And I would have beat the crap out of you if I got in. All right? Two. Yes, you beat me <sighs> if, in the ifs, for IDP. Ifs, and what ifs. Come on, man. I It was a rough season for me. So... 16 leagues, I made playoffs for 12, I made six championships, I won one title. It was rough. It is rough, dude. Yeah, that is rough. I, and we also should say, Todd, we should also say, we have not recorded in a month. I looked at the, the show things, we have not talked to each other in a month. We have, been, we, we have been talking to each other off the mic for 45 minutes. We haven't talked, it feels like, in forever. Yeah. Uh, it, this is good, man. It's good to be home. It, it's on tail travel. It is good to be home, man. Hey man, it's good. It's good to hear your voice. I still got a present for you. Maybe Valentine's Day, buddy. All right, enough of this BS. Time to get to the freaking question of the day. All right, Davy, what movie are you most excited to watch with your kid when they're old enough? Go. So I really enjoy, like this question of the day. I think this is a lot of fun. I think you know when the part of becoming a parent is you are looking for certain milestones, certain things to share with them share part of your life, things that are important to you with them. And I, you know, I get pretty remin, you know, I'm a very nostalgic person, Todd. So this really hits me in all the feels. I cannot wait until my kid turns anywhere from two and a half to three, 
years old and we can watch Braveheart together for the first time. I'm really excited to. to <laughs> <laughs> uh, no but honestly uh, there is a time where i like braveheart is a movie that means a lot to me uh and i really can't wait to share it with him the the romance the drama the, just the history of it. really that's that's my number one movie of all time and i i'm looking forward to sharing that with the, with my son yeah, you have always been a big Braveheart guy. I, I can attest that. I actually almost watched it last week, and I thought of you. <laughs> I, and I put on Reservoir Dogs instead. I'm sorry, Dave. Another great movie. I had that poster in college. Oh, great poster. Uh, so my honorable mentions would be Goodfellas and The Godfather, because those are two movies that like made me a movie fan. And those are films. There's a difference between films and movies. But that's for another discussion. But the number one movie that I can't wait to watch with my son Jackson, is Caddyshack. Now, I grew up watching Caddyshack as a kid with my dad and my brother, but we watched, like, the like the taped, like, made-for-TV version of it, right? Oh, you suffered through the... Oh, yeah, I hear you. Yeah, but, like, it was amazing, like, for that, because you didn't know any better, right? So, and, man, my dad had some skills with the VCR, man. Like, not even a glitch of, like, a commercial in that thing. Wow. Wow. M- Mikey's got remote skills. Mikey's got remote skills. Either that or, like, he had me or Sean just, like, like slamming this, like, buttons, like, from, like, sitting. I don't know. I was young. But the point is, is that, like, it's, like, almost a rite of passage in my family to be able to recite that movie. I, like, if anybody knows Caddyshack, like, I can, like, I'll f- find a way to rattle off lines in context somewhere and just, like, wait for reaction because it's just fun for me, right? So then when I finally saw... The unedited version with my dad when I was in high school, I was like, you were holding out on me this whole time, this significantly better version of this actual movie? And he goes, I was going to show this to you when you were like 10? And I was like, touche. So <laughs> to me, like Caddyshack's like a really fun movie. It's something that like was like big in my family, you know? So like clearly I'm not going to show it to him until like he's older. But like, cause I don't, I, I can't find that VCR tape anymore. So I'm going to have to wait to show him that. But that, that movie means a lot in my family and just, just lots of Ronnie Dangerfield quotes thrown around my, my parents' house since forever. Todd, we got to move on here. I think we just miss each other too much, but I just will say, uh, Rio Bravo, the sons of Kitty Elder, some of my favorite John Wayne movies, definitely up yep. there on my list. And also the outlaw Josie Wales also up on my list there. I just want to just throw out a quick shout out to one of our uh, loyal listeners real quick before we dive into the first award. Uh, Big Poppy, congratulations on the Hall of Fame. It's well-deserved, sir. I-, I sent you a DM. You know, I know we've been, we haven't talked in a couple of weeks, but um, congrats, Poppy, on uh, getting into the Hall of Fame, man. Look forward to hearing from you soon, buddy. Unfortunately, Clemens and Bonds didn't join you because they deserve it. Oh, God, we're not going down this road. We're not going. We're we're not going down the steroids road. This this is a that's a detour we can't take right now, David. All right, push. All right, it, sir. These are our positive, the goods awards. So these are my three awards that I'm handing out this year. My first one is the Dexter Jackson Award. So it's awarded to an unlikely but clutch postseason champion. Pause, Todd. Pause. Who the hell is Dexter Jackson? It's funny that you say that. Dexter Jackson had two interceptions in Super Bowl 37. It was named MVP. That is Dexter Jackson's legacy in the NFL. Solid player, 
But that was like his crowning. Like he came out and like just made an impact in that game. Larry Brown almost got named this because he had two picks in like one of the Dallas ones too. So essentially, it's a guy that came out as a clutch performer who you didn't expect to be the difference maker. So essentially, we're talking about the league winner award, essentially. And the definition of a league winner this year, Amaran St. Brown, the definition of a league winner. Second best week 17 performance for a wide receiver, right behind Mr. Chase. Third best overall for the playoffs with 11 targets, eight receptions, 111 receiving yards, one receiving TD, plus he added 29 rushing yards and another TD. And the nice thing is, is that he just steadily got better throughout the playoffs because he added the 16th best and the 20th best wide receiver performances through the entire playoffs. So he had three top 20 performances. So he went over for 90 yards and a touchdown in week 15 and week 16. So then he got at least 11 targets from week 13 through the playoffs. The man was becoming a force. I actually started St. Brown in a title game before I got Najee'd. And someone called me lucky for that call. How do you get? How do you not flex a guy after four straight weeks with at least eleven targets? How do you not start that guy? The question is, you absolutely have to start that guy. So I was like, what does luck have to do with that? If you include week eighteen, because I know Dave is a truest and he loves to include week eighteen. Okay, he scored a touchdown in five out of his last six games. St. Brown's a baller, man. Ballers at, at USC, tough dude, great route runner, draft capital and landing spot killed it for me. But the man just proved us wrong. And hats off to Dan Campbell for laying some nice early groundwork with that dumpster fire that he adopted. That he adopted. St. Brown, absolute league winner definition. There's no denying that. Now, in dynasty terms, is he a top 24 wide receiver? As of now, for me, no, he is not. I'm definitely going to do a deeper dive into my rankings. Maybe he cracks into the top 24, but right now he's my wide receiver 30. I still don't like investing in players in Detroit. I just don't. There's a lot of things I'd like to see change there before I have confidence in investing like major capital into a guy that for the Lions. He could, and they could easily add another wide receiver into that mix, which is just going to destroy his target share. And we're talking about still a pretty small sample size. So I like St. Brown a lot. In fact, I, my favorite thing about St. Brown coming out was his, his blocking. He's a freaking beast with the blocks. But I'd be selling the crap out of him right now because his, his, his value is just insane right now. Davey, the Dexter Jackson war goes to Mr. St. Brown. First and foremost, thank you for explaining who the hell Dexter Jackson is. Two, screw you for week 18, uh, you old jungle cat you. You know I hate that. Freak, you get me all riled up just thinking about freaking week 18. Used to be week 17. Now I got to, it feels awkward saying week 18. Oh, God, I feel like a boomer just saying that. But so Amon Ra currently is my wide receiver 22 in Dynasty. I understand like there's some uncertainty about the situation in Detroit. Like I, you, you alluded to it. It's tough to invest into Detroit players, but you know, not having any target competition and just literally, I mean, nobody, Khalif Raymond probably was his best competition all season. And Khalif Raymond even had good games. Like, Come on, nobody was drafting Cleaver him and thinking he was, he was good. And he had some success, so what are we trying to say? Like, So I understand the criticisms. But when you're dealing, and then also, too, a small sample like that, at the end of the season, that five, six-game run, that was, you know, it's a small sample. He, he struggled early on in the season, which I understand everything, Todd. I, I understand the criticisms, but 
I think that when you focus too much on those criticisms, those those concerns, and not pay attention to what he actually accomplished, which which you talked about, uh, you you are overlooking at what he did as a fourth round draft pick at 21 years old, and there is some solid upside that goes along with what he did, like what he did from a target share perspective down the stretch, what he did from a targets per game. He he even the eye test, Todd. He looked good. He looked like he was. He looked. <laughs> It didn't look like he was playing for Detroit. It looked like he was playing for... He just looked good. And I think knowing that, I think he has some decent upside moving forward and a solid on a solid floor as well based on just the type of player he is. And the biggest thing for him was, yeah, the landing spot was bad, but also we were not expecting round four draft capital. He was... I thought we both... I would say that we both thought he was either second round or third round draft capital and seeing him fall to four was hurt. Now, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And that being said, and you know, it was a weird year. The COVID year, it was weird. Pac-12 didn't play a lot of games. And there was just some weird biases that was happening in the NFL. So you can understand why he fell to the fourth round. Look, in, in retrospect. But that being said, Todd, and so from a nice perspective, he's my wide receiver 22. Now, what does that mean actionable for me? In a league that I took over as an orphan last season, I, I have Marquise Brown. I need to gain assets in that league, Todd. I trade away Marquise Brown, who slid in the, in the back uh, fourth of the season, he kind of fizzled out uh, with Mar- Lamar Jackson being injured as well. So he lost a little bit of value, but I, I, I trade Marquise Brown for Amon Ra and a, a mid-second in 2022. And in a team where I need to acquire assets and a gain value, I like that as a solid move, uh, even though I do like Marquise Brown a lot, and I think it was a little bit of a sell low on him. I'm pretty happy you got, with that. You you got St. Brown plus a second? For that move? A plus a second for Marquise Brown, so I'm I'm pretty happy I, with that deal. I, I'm I'll take the pick in Sam Brown in that for sure. Yeah, and that's just kind of like that's kind of what kind of actual piece I'm trying to do here. I'm on Raw and a piece try to get the, a picture of that upside and what happens if he continues to, to trade because sometimes while draft capital is important, sometimes you hold on to it too long and you just got to look and say, hey, like he balled out and that's what he did. So I really like this award, Todd. I he really was a league winner. Uh, he. He really was. So this is I like good good first choice, Todd. Way to way to lead off here. What's number two for you? All right. I just want to come back to one point on St. Brown after we just said, okay. Here here's my selling thing, right? Because I don't disagree with you. You absolutely have to respect like where he came from and like guess like like what I said about Detroit and everything. And I feel like that trade is perfect, Dave, because I feel like that trade is exactly where his values is at. Like that's like the mean. You know what I mean? Like that's right down the middle. My point about selling St. Brown is, is that he's going to be a guy given what he did this year and his age and the fact that like the eye test, like Dave said, like he's, he looks good. I'm not saying that moving him, like I'm going to move him because there's no way he's going to replicate. My point is that his value is just astronomical in some people's eyes. There's somebody who's going to overpay for a St. Brown. They may be in your league. They may not, but there's a good chance that they are. I'd be looking to get to max out on him because the other thing about the reason of moving St. Brown is think about what he just did. And we're discussing whether he even trashed the top 24. Like that's just a deep position. Plenty of ways to make up for moving on from him. And you could even move back into like a vet, like the guys that like Dave likes to try to buy into when they're later. Like that we're going to get into in the offseason. We know that for sure. Keen Allen's a good, like some people would rather have right. Amon Ra over Keen Allen. Like it, that's right. A, that's a pivot right there. Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. And like, if you got Keenan, if you have a chance at contending next year and you got Keenan Allen straight up for St. Brown, you just fleece somebody like straight up that that's what I'm saying is that like, you should be able to 
find somebody who wants to pay off for St. Brown. It's not like I got to get, I, I, this is like burning my pocket. I got to get it out. That's not what I'm saying. Somebody wants to pay up for that guy. That's, that's more what I'm saying. Go find who that guy is. It's probably Duchesne's. That dude will do anything. I, I think so, he's selling. I'm on raw right now, but yeah, I, under, he, he, he's down to, he's down to party. Who knows what that guy's doing half the time. All right. So the star, a star is born award. This is for my breakout award, but it could not be a rookie. All right. So my breakout player award, a, the star that was born was Hunter Renfro. So finished as the wide receiver 10 to PPR this year after catching over 80% of his targets. Damn. 128 targets total, 108 catches, 9 TDs with 10 games with 8 plus targets. So consistency was getting, he was consistently getting a heavy workload and it was a solid 21.7 target share. Very, very consistent. And he's been a steady player in the league for two years and he had four years of solid production at Clemson. So it's not like he came out of nowhere, but the man just, he blew up like the single shallow, baby. And Hunter, I'm watching for the defense. I'm watching you dive in. Because you're a baller, son. You are a baller. Did he benefit from a lack of competition? Absolutely. But he also looked like an absolute technician out there. And it's clearly one of the premier route runners in the league. And he knows how to get separation at the second level. It's, a, it's, it's, a, it's so fun to watch him play football. So I'd rather have Renfro over St. Brown. Like, if, like, for next year, I'd rather have Renfro going into the season than St. Brown for competing purposes. Because I believe in that talent, and I believe in that steady production, and where he ends up right now, right? I also like his situation with Carr more, right? But I have St. Brown higher than him in my rankings. Why is that? Trade value. That's it. The reality is St. Brown will carry more trade value than Renfro. And I think somehow Renfro is both slept on and oddly overvalued at the same time. So I love the guy. I'm a believer. I also like to see him get included as like the kicker in a much larger deal, like that extra piece you kind of push for. Uh, he was like the, everybody who asked me for Darnell Mooney when I was trying to get a stud, and I was like, you bastard, here's Mooney. He's currently my wide receiver 40, but I definitely see that going up as I redo my rankings over the next few weeks. Stars born Davey and Hunter Renfro. <sighs> Lots of emotions listening to you talk about Hunter Renfro. First off, have you seen a star is born, and hopefully Renfro's, Renfro's career does not flame out under the bright lights in Vegas? Like the star is born in Bradley Cooper. So I'm just going to say that. And I know that's a really um, good I'm, well. I'm, 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 I'm sorry. Have you seen the movie? Bradley's characters was already a star. He was not born in the movie. Lady Gaga was born in the movie. <laughs> touche, touche, sir. Touche. Also, another, it, it feels like a knife in the back, E2 Brute type moment here. As Todd's clearly using week 18 data. Todd, we'd had such a great year of using the database, and I see you using other sources here. Uh, he actually finishes the wide receiver 11 for fantasy, not some weird wide receiver 10 because he scored two touchdowns in a, in a meaningless non-fantasy game. So, and he was a wide receiver. What's the difference between 10 and 11? What's the difference? What's the difference is, Todd? What's the difference between 10 and 11? That it didn't matter in your fantasy championships. That's what ma- That's the difference. And he's a wide receiver, 18 in points per game at 51 mm, points per, 15.1 points per game. And he did it on some less than stellar volume, if I'm really looking at it. He was a top 12 wide receiver, but it wasn't top 12 wide receiver type volume. Like you said, 21% target share, not what you're really seeing from a top 12 wide receiver, Todd. And only seven, like 7.7 targets per game. That ranked 21st among wide receivers. 
And he would, but the thing was, oh, sorry, for me. But he was tenth in in re- receptions per game. Like you said, the the catch rate was huge for him. Now also, I have to to almost vomit when you were in catch rate in the year twenty twenty one or no, we're twenty twenty two now. The just catch rate doesn't mean doesn't mean. And whenever I see someone, and I'm not saying Utah, but whenever I see someone use catch rate, try to tell me a player is good. It doesn't matter. Catch rate has no no statistical significance on targets for the next year. It has no statistics on fancy points per game the next year. Catch rate all has to do with a dot and the quality of the quarterback. That's all it has to do. Nothing on fancy. So whenever someone you see someone talking about their catch rate and they're trying to tell you a player is good, give them a big double bird for me because it doesn't matter. Lots of other things you should be paying attention to, like target share, like Todd mentioned, like points per game, like even like give me freaking tar- regular targets, give me receptions, Todd. So anyway, end of end of uh, rant here. But back to back to on point here. Uh, I, I feel like I was just backhanded there a little bit. Not so you, let me Todd, jump in. I, no, no. It wasn't I mean, you. I dropped not the you. camp trade there. But point being is that like, yeah, there's not a predictor. But it's still impressive efficiency to be able to be catching eighty percent of your balls. Yeah, like that's hundred percent, hundred percent, Todd. And not this yeah. is no shade towards you, sir. No shade. All right, all right, man. I, 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 like. I'm not saying it does anything for predicting numbers, but I do think it does put a feather in somebody's cap in the argument of whether a player is talented or not. But teach their own, sir. <laughs> it, it, he, what he was, Todd, he was a true PPR machine. Uh, that's what the, what it comes down to. He didn't even have like ungodly TD numbers. You said nine, but seven in the fantasy in the fantasy season, and that's uh, averages roughly just a little bit under 150 receiving yards per touchdown. That is not ungodly by any means. That's pretty average TD, and his he had like a seven percent T rate. That he so he didn't have any weird statistical outlier there. Now, so what I'm trying to say is he had a very good season, Todd, and look. And looking at him from a dice perspective, I, I, I find it weird to say that you love him, but he's your wide receiver 40. It's tough to love a wide receiver 40, Todd. Tough to love a wide receiver 40. And I also preference that he'll definitely be climbing. All right? <laughs> yes, sir. I, know. I had a, a couple of jabs. A couple of jabs. Uh, but I also most... think that for, for most people, like, 40's high for him right now, I think. I honestly think that. I, but I, I also disagree. Yeah, I... I wouldn't be surprised if he cracks top 30, or he'll get closer to that at least. But um, I love him, man. I do. I do. I love Renfro. It's weird, Todd. It's a, He's a weird player to gauge in fantasy leagues, which pl- people like him, which don't. Usually, people that have him have a little bit of truth or status with him. I think there might be more value if you're in a startup or an auction or something, and that's where you can target him, where people don't have like... 100%. 100% true. People don't have some of that, like, that uh, bias, and they're like, oh, this guy really was huge for me down the stretch in this league. Uh, so I think that's kind of, you can go about it in that way. But I think he's going to remain a dynasty value regardless because of the type of player is because his draft capital and all the biases that go around to the white slot receiver and what have you. I think he's going to remain a, a, a value. I'm hearing a lot of talk about an early second for him, a second round pick for Hunter Renfro for a proven thing for a contender. I don't hate that at all. And I think that's a value to have. And that, but that all being said, Todd, he is not sniffing my top twenty-four wide receivers. You mentioned it earlier when we were talking about the previous award, the Dexter Jackson Award. It is a thick and tight top twenty-four wide receivers and top to top. It's tough to fit Hunter Redfro in anywhere in your ranking. So I don't. That's why I don't hate on him as your wide receiver forty. But he is not cracking my top twenty-four. 
That's fair, man. He's probably not clocking my top 24, too. The fact is, like, outside of the top 24, like, you have to kind of expand your view with the wide receiver landscape because it's not just 24, like, wide receivers that matter. Like, you can have players that can win you championships that are top 36, top 40 at this point. A thousand percent. A thousand percent. Like, I, I, I think that's the thing, too. It's like, the idea of being one of the 24 best is like, it, it, it doesn't, it's not, it doesn't need to be like that kind of mindset. You know what I mean? Because it's just such a deep, productive position. So just because, you know, hey, baby, I love me some wide receivers. Let's uh let's give out the Shane Falco Award, which is for my comeback player of the year. And that goes to Debo Samuel. So in uh, DLF uh, mocks for January 2022, he was the wide receiver nine with a 17.5 ADP. Now, let's rewind to August of 2021. He was the wide receiver 40 with an 82 ADP. Yeah, the dude came back and came back hard. He finished the wide receiver three overall on a year by getting it done in the air and on the ground. But that 15 total TDs is going to be difficult for him to repeat. Uh, He finished with 1,765 scrimmage yards, which is impressive to say the least. And he's about to get an upgrade at QB this offseason as well. I didn't see this coming at all. I didn't. And Ayuk was my dude. But I have to respect the way that Sam Farron tried to get the ball in Debo's hands in every single way possible. You have to recognize that, respect it, and understand that this guy's going to be schemed in every way possible. So, only caught 64% of his passes. So, like, in a means, it's like, if you caught more balls, like, you get even better numbers, you know? But on top of that, you know, six, you know, 26.2% target shares. The guy is, it was feasting. You know what I mean? So I like him, but I'm not quite there in him in like the top 10. You know, he's my wide receiver 13 right now. I still have DJ Moore ahead of him. I like Waddle more. I like Godwin still ahead of him. I understand Godwin's hurt. This is thinking that in the offseason, Godwin recovers, you know? But and he's just ahead of T T Higgins, then New Hopkins and Terry McLaurin. So Debo Samuel, hats off, comeback player of the year. Another guy be selling if I could. But um, yeah, you got to respect the way that he played this year. So Todd, I really like me some Debo Samuel. I think there's a little bit of a pause because he's an untraditional type wide receiver. He is not your prototypical. Tyreek Hill, not even Tyreek Hill, because he's a little bit of a weird, weird type cat himself, but he's not your Devontae Adams. He's not your AJ Brown. He's not your CD Lamb. There's a lot of, he's, he, he takes a lot of carries. He breaks big plays. He has an injury history. There's just a lot that goes into Debo. He was, you know, he's only a second round pick, not a ton of star power around him until this year. And every, and also people love Kittle. They love, they loved Ayuk, you know, over Debo, and and that that offense isn't that that not a big high passing volume offense. So that's why I think there's a lot of things going against Debo Samuel. But he's actually my wide receiver seven right now, Todd. I believe wide receiver seven or eight, or maybe even nine. I I should probably fucking check that. He's my wide, yeah, no, he is my wide receiver seven, and it's because he's he's young and it's pretty clear, Todd, that he has a role in San Francisco to be the feature player. And they want to use him. They want to get him the ball in high leverage situations. And yeah, he did have some big, hard to replicate touchdowns this year, some longer plays that are tough to replicate, but he's still 
I unless it's an injury, I have a hard time seeing just Debo falling off a cliff and not being relevant at his age, at his production and his efficiency, his yards per route run, his it, there's a lot of things to like about Debo. So, but that being said, Todd, I have a hard, trouble getting him the comeback player of the year award because has he ever been there? Has he ever reached a pinnacle to consider a comeback? I think comeback. I think Austin Eckler. I think uh, Dak Prescott. I think those type of players. Not Joe Burrow a little bit as much because Joe Burrow hasn't been there at, at either. He he flashed him as a rookie, but then was injured. So my votes have been maybe Austin Eckler, Dak Prescott. Uh, but, you know, hey, I love me some Debo, so I'm not going to hate on the Shane Falco trophy winner this year. Eckler was phenomenal last year. He he was injured, Todd. Um, he was he missed like seven or eight games last year. Yeah, but he still like still came back and played well, dude. I mean, all right. Debo like missed like the whole time. You know what I mean? He missed like the majority of last year. He was a guy who commanded like like he was a significant rookie capital investment. Like people were like hanging their hat on Debo as like their guy as a rookie, right? So now you're looking at a guy that was getting wide receiver forty ADP to go up to back to wide receiver nine. Let's put it like forty was the floor in Debo's short career. So I would say he it's a comeback to me because he's finally fulfilling the promise that everybody thought he had. And I don't care what anybody says. Like, nobody predicted this from Debo. It's not. It it, it came out, and the guy came up, and he blew up, and he reminded people why people were so high on him a couple years ago coming out of the league. So for me, it's more of a comeback to value. You know what I mean? Sort of like, almost like a breakout award, almost. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) So... I gave out my 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 second breakout award, like Shane Falco, who came back with the replacements and broke out while leading them to the playoffs. After that disastrous Sugar Bowl award, oh, all right, screw you, Dave. Where can I find you? You can find me over at Rookie Fever. You can find me at Tail to Rivals forever and always. You can find me at Dynasty League Football. I have an article being released on Wednesday. Finally, 10-month hiatus, writing about Jahan Dotson, his rookie, early rookie look. Really had a fun time writing that article. Intriguing player. All right. You can find me at FF underscore Banterman over on the Twitter sphere. You can find my writings and rankings nowhere. I'm taking a break. Uh, Baby 2 is coming in a couple of months, so... uh... Papa's just going to focus on family and Tale of Two Rivals and my own thing. So um, until next time, everybody. Oh, definitely pay attention for that C2C content. I'll give it to anybody but Levi. <laughs>